The great composer Ralph Siegel wrote a song and wanted to shock the audience with lyrics about a provocative historical figure. The first name that popped up was Hannibal, but he later settled on the Mongolian conqueror and daddy to us all, Genghis Khan. He recorded a demo himself with lyrics by band Meinunge and submitted it to the selection panel for the national final in West Germany. The song was accepted and he had only a few weeks to find the members for this group that he already had claimed existed. Today I have invited Wolfgang Heysel, one of the original members from the group. What does he remember from Jerusalem? How big was actually his band in the Soviet Union? And how much of a star is he in Russia today? I'm your babushka Emil Löfström and this is Eurovision Legends. Welcome to Eurovision Legends, Wolfgang Heysel. Okay, thank you very much. Wie geht's, Wolfgang? Thank you. It's uh, I'm fine. I'm still healthy. No coronavirus, no incidents. And uh, today we have uh, wonderful snow here at the Constance Lake. Everything looks very icy and snowy and everything looks romantic. Lovely to hear. Yeah. What is your earliest memory of the Eurovision Song Contest? Oh, this is this is long ago, but uh, it was a very international uh, feeling uh, of uh, artists from all over Europe, and it was very interesting to listen to the different songs. At that time, people had to sing in their home language, and sometimes it sounds sounded really funny. In the early 1979, Ralf Siegel put together a guy from South Africa, two Hungarians, one Dutch singer and two Germans to create a group for a song that had already been selected for the national final in West Germany. Yeah. And you were one of the Germans, obviously, and your wife at the time was the Dutch beauty, Heinrich Trobel. Yeah. Do you remember how you were contacted for this project? Uh, I was contacted by one uh, or the other way around. I was doing professional music in clubs and discotheques and, and nightclubs and things like this with my live band. And I had a very international guitar player in my former live band. And uh, I brought him to Munich to play as a studio musician, uh, to play all for for the studio productions. And this guy... He was recommending me uh, during the time when Ralf Siegel was looking and searching for people who he could use for the Genghis Khan project. Yeah. And so I was invited once, uh, had a short uh, range cast, you know, where is your voice lying? Can you sing this? Can you sing that? And uh, so he was... Uh, Uh, rehearsing with me the the Chinggis Khan song in the original in the original version, and after that he said, "Okay, if you like, you can join the group." That's all. <laughs> This was the the shortest and the quickest casting <laughs> maybe ever ever <laughs> happened. <laughs> Were you positive to the project from the beginning? Yes, I was completely convinced about the song and the whole uh, concept about this. A presentation like with choreography and costumes and uh, 
and and the song uh, itself was uh, yeah let's say very touchy for for even for the german people but i couldn't i couldn't expect that the whole world was really touched by this I was convinced about the song. I said, yeah, it's a nice song and let's do this and let's uh, make the competition for the Eurovision Song Contest in Germany first, you know. From what I understand, Ralf Siegel invested a lot in you as a band and put you in contact with a choreographer, a stylist and a vocal coach. Yes. Yeah, it was just... Uh, in order to the choreographer to make a good choreography or a spectacular choreography on that song. And then we were checking costumes, you know, at that time there was no internet and no, uh, no screens and nothing. So we always had to come together, uh, making an appointment, driving together to the designer, Uh, making the first uh, tests and all that. So it took, it, took, it was really time-taking. Uh, even the choreography, we were rehearsing every day by eight hours. Were you satisfied with your styling? Yeah, at, at that time, you, you must uh, look at it. 40 years ago, we had different tastes. And what we tried to to tell the designer was just make something exotic yeah. you know make it poppy uh, but make it exotic and this is what was you know the first costume you know what we, what we were presenting at the eurovision uh, this was the result of our uh, of our idea of exotic costumes yeah. <laughs> <laughs> don't get me wrong i loved your costumes Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I didn't get you wrong. No, just for explaining, uh, there was no real, let's say there was no real sketches before or no real ideas. This costume for the girls have to look like this or this costume for the for the dancer has to look like this. It was just making by uh, by happening, you know, just we, we tried out several, uh, uh, yeah, several articles, several colors and all that. And it was more or less it was it was then sticked when we when we were there at the rehearsal and when we tried on the costumes. So so there was no real sketch before that somebody would would have said, "Listen, I want to to have the dancer with golden trousers <laughs> and boots and things like this." It was really done at that moment when we when we were at the designer because there was no time for long planning. Siegel had only six weeks from the start to rehearse and to prepare that stuff for the presentation. Yeah, it was just, it was more or less management by happening. You know, it, he was looking for people and he was asking a few guys uh, in his company, do you have an idea which one I could uh, take for this group? And uh, yeah, it was really happening by the way, you know, just 
There was no big preparation before. Do you remember the other contestants in West Germany? Yeah, in yeah, I, I, I remember a few ones. Normally they were solo singers or they were quite good songs, but they were really typical German songs, you know, like German Schlager songs. Yeah. And they had no these, uh, this exotic touch, which we uh, try to present. My second favorite in this pre-selection was Paola with the song Vogel der Nacht that ended third. Yeah. Himmel und Hölle sind oft so nah. Das weiß ich erst seit ich bei dir war. Denn mit Gefühlen wollte ich niemals spielen. thousand eight hundred seven votes you won the pre-selection which was 413 votes more than the runner-up truck stop yeah what happened directly after this victory uh, it was like a like an avalanche like a, a media avalanche you know we had uh, so many photo uh, appointments so many interviews and uh, there was only a few few hours left for going to sleep because during that time uh, while the interviews were running while the photo sessions were running we still had to rehearse because you know nobody of our of our group except uh, of uh, Louis the dancer nobody was uh, experienced in in making choreography before so it was a real hard time i tell you <laughs> so there were only counted hours to sleep <laughs> I've heard that the radio stations in West Germany refused to play the song. Yes, this was <laughs> at the end. In the result, it was the biggest, biggest marketing campaign. We were very thankful for that. But at that moment, when you get so many complainings and so many accuses, oh, what's going on, you know, Germany after after this big war, you know, all the history of the war. Now they come with the uh, aggressive group who, who is called Chinggis Khan, one of the biggest murderers all over the world and singing about making seven children in one night and all that shit. So this was really a big, a big mess on the German media and they refused to play that song, but they couldn't stop the selling. We were selling every day uh, 40,000 copies of the song Chinggis Khan. Every day. Yeah. Eurovision in 1979 was held in Israel since Itzhar Cohen won the year before with Abani B. Yeah. How was Israel? Israel was fantastic because they these israel is a very let's say a young population they are very open and they are very funny and there was no harm against the so-called german group with the aggressive song so 
Even the government was asked if we could try to present this song as a, as a so-called German group, even if we were the, the first multicultural group in Europe. Um, uh, they were asking if they can afford to present this group in the Israeli television. And so we were invited to the ambassador of the, the German ambassador in Israel to check up if we are, uh, yeah, let's say, dignant enough Uh, to be, to be presented there and uh, and the the Israeli they don't care you know they said listen don't make a fuss out of it don't make a mess out of it we are talking about pop music and entertainment and nobody uh, is re reminding here with this group any kind of harms of the second world war you know? yeah so everything was yeah. fine and we had a great time there it was fantastic weather uh, fantastic people Even the competitors under each other, everybody was, they were colleagues or friends, you know, it was really, it was really nice. I believe that the security was rigorous. Yeah, they had a lot of security over there because of, of some bomb attempts or things like this. Yeah, yeah, yeah it, it was, but they, they were very responsible. Nothing happened, nothing happened. So we were really safe and everything was was done very well and everything was well organized I, i cannot say anything against that do you remember who you thought was your biggest competitor ah uh, yeah there were a few there uh, on the one hand it was the israeli group milk and honey Some other guys, I think there was some uh, some group from Italy. They were very good. And in Spain. There were a few really good songs. This is this is the only thing I can tell because you know your own song you are used to that and so you are listening to the other songs and try to compare are these better songs or not but at the end the the audience is deciding you know and this is what happened there you know yeah with uh, 125 points israel won again with the anthem hallelujah spain ended second france third and you came fourth with 86 points yeah. can you share your thoughts on the outcome my thoughts if i would look at it from today i would say Uh, it's maybe yeah we were we were handled like the winner you know by when when people are betting on that song everybody said even the the servants and all the people who were serving us in the hotel they said yeah i bet on you you will win that stuff you will win it and uh, at the end 
uh, it wasn't enough. So uh, I cannot say any more. You know, any kind of interpretation could could be wrong. Uh, there are some thoughts that that I say a German a German group never will win in in Israel. But on the other hand, we were or we have been the first and last and only group on Israeli radio with German lyrics who ever were played there. Then we, we received the Israeli Oscar and we received the Israeli um, Egypt Peace Prize. Yeah. So the, the place number four was not really the main important thing concerning uh, to our, uh, to our uh, success. The same happened when we were invited to Israel, to Tel Aviv last January 2020. We had a big invitation to play for Microsoft in Tel Aviv. And this was incredible. They had a, they had a, a stage equipment and they had everything like, <laughs> like a, a Eurovision Song Contest there. So, so they had a lot of material on stages. We had about 20 eight or 30 dancers with us on stage. Uh, if you don't have looked at it, I will send you a, a kind of a video, a, a short video clip of this, uh, of this performance of this event. Yes, please do. Yeah. And once again, every, everybody was well prepared. Everything was well organized. So, you know, these people, they know what they do. And this is so everybody of us felt really fine. The song Genghis Khan became a great success and sold 500,000 copies in just some weeks yes. and topped the charts in more than 20 countries in Europe and Asia. Yeah. And then I haven't even mentioned the black market. Yeah, the black market is about, uh, this is what I heard after all that big success 20 years later, the, the black market was about 15 million copies. Yeah. Surely you cannot have been prepared for this success since the creation of the group was only some months before. Or am I wrong? No, no, that's right. There, there were not some months before. It was just a few weeks before yeah. to get prepared, you know? Yeah, yeah. That, were, that were only six weeks. What happened directly after Eurovision? After Eurovision, we did during the next five years, we did about uh, 250 television shows worldwide. Also, we were invited to 250 television shows worldwide. That means every, to face it like this, every weekend we were in a television show somewhere in the world, even in Mauritius. <laughs> <laughs> Just to tell you, it was really funny. In Mauritius, uh, it was about uh, the end of February where they had fantastic weather there between 25 to 30 degrees Celsius outside on the beach. And then we were invited to the to the television studio. So we got costumes on, uh, the makeup on, and then we came into, <laughs> into this television studio for recording and all the big lamps and all that. <laughs> it was warmer than outside, so everybody was sweating and all the makeup was really running down, you know, so we looked like we looked like zombies when we went out <laughs> for the presentation. So it would be would have been easier to take the costumes and everything, take a shower and go out, you know, it would be the same effect. But it was funny and people were really relaxed there. What was it like to become a star overnight? Sure, what can you do? You have to you have to learn a lot in a short time. How to handle your fans, how to handle the reporters, how to behave at the 
at the television stations, you know, at that time, everything was more respectful and uh, we were happy. And first of all, this was the main thing that everybody, you know, if you have such a success, everybody is nice and kind to you. And uh, at first, uh, this is what, what was really thrilling. You know? Yeah. I uh, guess you were one of the very first German groups with a world hit in German. Yeah, for Germany, they, they didn't really face or, or check it that we were so uh, successful worldwide. Uh, for Germany, the, at that time, there was no good communication what is happening in other countries. At that time, only the record company was informing us and our producer what's going on in the, in the world. And, you know, we were in German, uh, in German uh, newspapers and yellow press. We have been there every week. And with the music magazines, we were, I don't know how many uh, front pages we were covering and all that. that. But that was all at that time, which, is, which was possible to inform the audience. So it's, it's not to compare with today. If Genghis Khan would have this success today, we we were going through the ceiling you know yeah but could you enjoy the success or was it so much work that you didn't have time to take it all in not really not really the first seven years was such a stress and this was the reason why when the contract was terminated and finished uh, why i said okay now it's enough uh, i take a break after seven years yeah. we we were not we we, we have been lived but we, we didn't live really. I understand. We go back to the song Genghis Khan. Yes. Uh, it was covered in some 20 different languages. After the success with your first hit, 
The second single was released and was an even bigger success. You mean Moscow? Yes. Yeah, Moscow is more or less, in comparison to Genghis Khan, it's a world, it's a real world hit. That's right. What was it about Moscow that do, took the world by storm? It was dedicated to the Olympic Games in 1980 in Russia. So our target and our uh, intention was to give a big compliment to the Russian people. In, for example, you know, to, to dedicate it to Moscow instead of the Russian people and to make a big compliment to the Russian people. And this is what really functioned because uh, Moscow today is the second well-known song in, in whole Russia, in German language. I wonder, because I have read that the song was forbidden in the Soviet Union at the time, since they thought you sang bad things about the communists. No, no, we didn't. No, no. I, I know what you mean. This is what happened to us when we came to, to Moscow in 2005 for a big invitation for a big radio and television station. And uh, then we had a big press conference and there were some journalists there. They said, how could you dare to sing about such bad things about Moscow, throwing bombs on Moscow or something like this. And the only thing I could say is uh, you have so perfect and fantastic translators here in Russia who are speaking fluently German. So do me the favor and let's translate the song from the original lyrics and there is nothing about bombs or something like this. So I really could uh, get these complainings and these bad thoughts away. Several hits followed during some years, all composed by legendary Ralf Siegel and with lyrics by band Meinunge. Yeah. Lasst uns ganz von vorn beginnen. Sag Shalom, Shalom, Shalom. Bis der Fass ist klar, wie nächstes Tag. 
son of Jingles. And in 1981, the bald guy Steve Bender left the group. Yeah. How come he left first? Uh, he had uh, back problems. Um, he he was not uh, quite well uh, physically in in order. He had back problems. Maybe, maybe I don't know. He he was uh, yeah. He had a lot of problems with his back, so he couldn't move, couldn't make all these choreography. Maybe the stress was too much for him at that time. In connection with this, the success also decreased, and you split up some years later. Yeah. What are your memories from the period before you left the group? It was, uh, you know, it was a big hype, and after that hype, the songs weren't that successful like the songs before, and like the production company was used to. And then the interest was not that great anymore again. And during that time, if you live with your colleagues more time together uh, than with your private persons like family and whatever, so it was not a good mood anymore anymore in the group. In 1986, a new lineup of the band took part in a pre-selection for Eurovision again in West Germany, but under the new name Genghis Khan Family. Yeah. Your former wife was part of this, but not you. Yeah, that's right. Why? Well, in the meantime, I think you know, no, no, we were not divorced, but we were, we we cut our our marriage, and uh, and she was interested in going different ways. I didn't want to to join that group because of too much hassle. Uh, yeah, everybody. Was, so I was really happy to finishing the group in '86. Yeah. The song was Wegehen zusammen and ended in a second place after Ingrid Peters with Über die Brücke gehen. Personally, I think Genghis Khan family should have sung The Other Side of Fame instead. In my opinion, a better song. Yeah. At that time, it was a big risk to start an English lyric song with the identification of the so-called famous German pop group Genghis Khan. So if they would have sung that song in German, uh, I think it would have been more successful. And on the other hand, the, the old fans, they were used to the old members of the group and they didn't really accept the new people at that time. You know, maybe today... It would would be, I think it would be different because you have so many uh, possibilities to influence your fans and tell them why or tell them not why, but give them some explanations and then they will accept it maybe. But at that time it wasn't like this. It was still, the music business was still ruled by English artists and American artists. The German 
the German scene was not that powerful, you know, to to get more marketing or to get more promotion in in a success. Today it is different. Yeah. And the German success with producing disco acts such as Baccarat, Boniem, Arabesque and Genghis Khan, just to mention a few, suddenly dwindled in the middle of the 80s and new groups and styles formed such as Modern Talking and Alphaville. Yeah. What projects were you involved in during this time? Uh, at that time I was going on the other side of the street. I was uh, writing songs, producing newcomers i was one of the first producers of german hip-hop but i was <laughs> i was too early for that <laughs> and uh, i was producing american rap songs i was taking an artist from new york bringing him to munich make a deal with him uh, with the virgin records and i was producing a lot of stuff and then i was producing a big project for me it was called pachamama Uh, I was working with an Indian guy from Peru with flutes and uh, crossover music production uh, from pan flutes till orchestra till rock guitar and everything put in one production. So I was making his his lifetime in several songs on one long play record. <laughs> founding my own publishing company and doing things like this from the other side of the street. So I wasn't really into uh, going back on stage again. But uh, as you know, in 2005, I did it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But before we talk about your the new project, we must mention here that in 1994, your eccentric band member, Louis Hendrik Putgita, lost a battle with HIV. Yeah. And in 2006, Steve Bender passed away due to lung cancer. And Steve Bender was the father to Melanie, one of the girls in the trio Mikado that represented Germany in 1994. Yeah. Right. Take it, take it, How is your relationship with your old bandmates today? Um, the only relationship I have is I'm still in contact with Leslie because uh, he is interested in doing something different what he did for, for now for several years. So we have... Uh, a loose contact let's so like we are phoning two or three times a year just say how are you what are you doing 
and things like this. So this is the only one I have contact to. And to Ralf Siegel? No, with Ralf Siegel, I don't have any contact anymore. Because, uh, you know, the contract was finished in 86 and there was no no reason to, to keep in touch with him any longer because uh, he wasn't interesting for uh, me and I wasn't interesting for him because we have no work together, you know. Okay. More than 20 million Genghis Khan records have been sold since 1979 and a new record with the name Genghis Khan was recently released with the title Here We Go. Yes. Tell me about this album. Uh, this album is uh, produced with uh, one of the best producers we had for the sound, for, for the 80s sound, you know. This is Luis Rodriguez. He was, let's say, the, the sound engineer and the, yeah, more or less the producer of the, the modern talking stuff. Wie der Wind ziehen wir durch die Gassen Richtung Seine und Champs-Élysées Roter Wein und Lust zu tanzen Heute gibt's kein Glas zu viel So weit weg, weg, weg wie noch nie Und ein Hoch, Hoch, Hoch auf Paris Denn wir wollen heute feiern Und wir ziehen immer weiter durch die Straßen von Paris C'est la vie, mon ami, das ist die suppose he's, he was and is the right guy because he was doing a new version thing over Moscow and the, the new versions he did, uh, they are really fantastic. They, they, they are so fresh and they are so, yeah, yeah, let's say, uh, active and uh, impressive that it's in, and very powerful, you know. This is what it needs because our old productions they didn't have the sound like they, the people are used today to have, to have the sound. This is why we produce the new songs, taking new material, working with uh, different people and uh, with different uh, writers and with different guys. So we were even working with, uh, what's his name, Klaas? Yes, one of the composers on this album I am familiar with and so are Eurovision fans since we are talking about the Swedish composer Klaus Andreasson who competed in Eurovision with the song Wolves of the Sea for Latvia in 2008. He told me yesterday that he wishes to take you to Sweden and compete in the Swedish pre-selection Melodifestivalen. 
Mm -hmm. Would you do it? Well, we have to think about it. I have, I have to talk to my people. It depends how good the song is, you know. <laughs> <laughs> it must be a smash hit. Then I, I'm sure I will be there. <laughs> And uh, Claes Andreasson have written uh, the songs uh, Madame Butterfly and Jerusalem on the new album. Yeah. track yourself from the new album yeah I, I, for me Madame Butterfly is the best one of the whole album and Istanbul the new single yeah What does your old bandmates think about that you use the name Genghis Khan? So, what, what can they? There is nobody around who can use that name, and I'm, I'm the owner of that name since 2007. I'm the registered. I have all the registered trademarks and documents because I'm the only original now in our formation, and this is what I'm really deserving because I'm doing Genghis Khan now for more than 40 years. In 2005, there was only one offer to come to Moscow for a anniversary show of this big Russian radio and television station. And I said, okay, I will do it once again. Uh, but when we do this in the Olympic Hall in Moscow, I will have there tigers, elephants, bears, camels, horses, uh, pyrotechnic, big video screens, and uh, Bol Bolshoi ballet and k k uh, children choir and things like this. And uh, more or less, except of the bears and tigers and elephants, they were for fulfilling my wishes. And this is why I said, okay, you are crazy enough, <laughs> then I will come. <laughs> <laughs> then a thing happened to me, which I will never forget. I came out on stage in front of an audience of about 30,000 people and You know, it, I had goose pimples because of the reaction of the people. I didn't speak any word of Russian language, but there was an emotion in the air. This was incredible. I will never forget that. And after that big success and after that big applause, we were asked to do some more shows in Mongolia and in other Russian countries. And I said, okay, if people... Uh, like the Genghis Khan music so much and we have the possibility uh, to entertain them and they really s freak out and they really uh, scream and I said this is the biggest reason and the, the biggest uh, respect and compliment for me 
and then we did yeah then we went on and we did it now since 2005 at the moment we have problems with the corona problem and uh, and a bit embargo and a, and a bit ruble currency but at the end you know at the end uh, we will go to to russia again we have now the invitation to play on the on the second Dresden Opera Ball in St. Petersburg because we have always played the first Dresden Opera Ball in St. Petersburg with a big success. Yeah. This is what I really estimate and what I really, yeah, I like it very much because it's a fantastic frame for these kinds of events. Thank you so much for this lovely conversation, Wolfgang. I thank you very much and I, and I hope... And I hope you can do something that we can come to Sweden or to other Scandinavian countries because we have played in, in the Balt Baltic states already, but we have never been to Finland, we have never been to Norway and never been to Sweden. And this would be really nice because we were very successful in these countries. Maybe there's a possibility, but let's keep in touch. Let's really keep in touch because any kind of conversation, even in that Corona times at the moment, is very important. And if you talk to Klaus Andreasson, give him my best regards and a big hug and a big compliment for such nice song he was songs he was offering to us. Yes, I promise. Great. But one thing I want to tell you at, at the end, my my future planning for the time after corona because i'm 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 sure that we will still can go back on stages again Genghis khan is planning now a tour through the new silk road oh that means from from berlin to peking to Pe beijing yeah on and all the cities on the new silk road that means 48 cities on the new silk road uh, to play there and to entertain people, more or less uh, Russian and Asiatic uh, people. But, you know, we start from Berlin and going over uh, over the eastern part of the world, like like uh, the Silk Road is going along now. Yeah. You ever heard this business road, the new Silk Road? The Chinese are very motivated to, to construct this and to build this because they invested there, I think, $700 billion dollars uh, to to keep it up and to make a new trade road for that. Yeah, that sounds amazing. I want to join you. Yeah, you can come with us, of course. You know, you can do all the reports and everything. Because this this uh, new tour, the Silk Road tour, is uh, on one hand a support for young football uh, people. Yeah, we want to support yeah. young football players. That means we are supporting. The champions from tomorrow. I have a foundation yeah. which is called We Love Football. And this uh, will, let's say, the vehicle to support young football players uh, when they are talented and everything. At that time, they don't have money. They don't have enough support from their families or even from 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 unions or from, from other teams. And this is what we're going to do to say, these are the new champions for tomorrow. And Chinggis Khan is the promoter for that. Lovely. Lovely to hear. Yeah, yeah. I don't know when we can do that, but uh, everything is planned. Everything is ready. And it's a big, uh, yeah, it's a big <laughs> undertaking what we are doing there. 
But you know, once you have to do big things, if you don't think big, you will never get anything, you know. What do you say, Wolfgang? Shall we end the show with your new version of your Eurovision hit from 1979? I would appreciate that. Yes, of course. Fantastic, Emil. Thank you for your call. Thank you for your interest. And thank you for, yeah, let's say, your loyalty to the Genghis Khan. Ching, 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 ching.